Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Thursday afternoon. Blue Jackets with an optional skate today. They play the Minnesota Wild tonight in Nationwide. Blue Jackets on a bit of a bit of a heater here lately for certainly by their standards this season. Uh, they are they played very hard and very well here for I don't know, a week to 10 days. Uh, pretty good little road trip. Took three out of four in Dallas and in Phoenix. Curious your thoughts on that. There are people who want them to win every game they can win. There are people who want them to lose every game they can lose right now. Um, interesting to me that if you look at the bottom of the NHL standings, a lot of these teams that have been hanging around there with them all year, Arizona just had something like a 10-game point streak. 
Uh, I think that snapped last night against Calgary. Chicago's won four in a row. Now, Anaheim is backed up, and the Blue Jackets and the Ducks are tied uh, for last place in the league. Anaheim is below Columbus based upon a number of games played, but they also have the tiebreaker should it come down to regulation or overtime wins. But right now they're neck and neck at the bottom of the NHL standings. Um, it appears that Vladislav Gavrikov will be a healthy scratch tonight. We're now going on eight, no, nine days since uh, he was first taken out of the lineup because the Blue Jackets are of an opinion that the trade is either agreed upon and waiting for something or close to being finalized. I, I don't truly know what the last hurdle is, uh, but they they have, by all um, measures of the word trade, they have traded Vladislav Gavrikov, just waiting for it to become final. Uh, if you have a, a question or a comment, you can, we can go about this a couple different ways. You can step up to the stage. See, we have one in there already, but you can also post a comment. Um, Donald F. is on there early wondering if the audio, audio is working. I believe it is. If you're not hearing me, let me know. Um, although if you're not hearing me, you wouldn't know to let me know. Um, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. I'm curious if, if any of you listening, it, it, it's interesting to me when I'm in the building, the crowd of uh, people there and nationwide watching, they want wins. That's been pretty clear by the cheering that goes on. I guess that's not maybe a surprise, but it seems like Twitter and social media are pretty fully on board with not winning and this being about the draft. Um, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, a centerman that can really help this club down the middle. Uh, we can talk about that. We can talk uh, Voronkov. We can talk uh, whatever you want to talk about. So by all means, chime in. Um, and let's get her started here. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau back in the lineup tonight after missing a couple games with the lower body. So it'll be curious to me what what the Blue Jackets do with their lines. I think they've, they've been fairly impressed with Line A and Marchenko playing opposite each other. And it was Line A that moved up into Gaudreau's spot when Johnny Gaudreau went down with the lower body. Uh, tenderness. So uh, curious to see what they do. They had a, a um, optional skate today. We'll get a good look at lines and warm-ups tonight. Um, 25 games to go for the Blue Jackets tonight against the Wild. Saturday against Edmonton. Uh, let's get it rolling here. Let's bring James M. into the onto the stage. We've got Kyle waiting. James, go ahead. You're on front of Nationwide. Hey, so uh, really kind of like as you were talking earlier um just about the poor start hot finish you know it's it's really plagued the franchise before so i guess my question is where do you sense the overall direction of this franchise um you know at the beginning of the season it was this retool we're not or reload we're not rebuilding um you know then it was the big massive uh embarrassment against buffalo um on national television and management said, we're going to take our lumps this year. Um, you know, and, and so how are they going to balance this going forward, making sure that, you know, not picking five, six, seventh, you know, and, and really trying to be aggressive if this truly is a retool reload, um, or is this more of a rebuild that they're without saying it is? Yeah. 
Well, it's a good question. It feels like a rebuild this year, but I, I can tell you management doesn't management is putting all literally, literally all of this on injuries. And they are of the belief that the quick retool, restart, whatever, any words you want to use, but not rebuild, is still on pace. Uh, and once they're healthy, that this will be a totally different team. So, yeah, you know, and sometimes they say one thing and their actions would suggest another. We'll get another clue with the trade deadline. Um, exactly how they're thinking here. Um, just case in point, you can look at the three UFAs and say those are the guys likely to go, Gavrikov, Korpisalo, and Nyquist, if they can find uh, a tanker, uh, a taker for his, his injured shoulder. Um, but how much further do they go? And if they get reasonable offers for some of these guys, do they jump on those two? The one name that keeps popping up, and I've poked around a little bit on it, and I don't, I don't find anything to it. it. It would be shocking, and it would suggest a rebuild, uh, to your point, Kyle, is Boone Jenner. Like his name has been out there in trade rumors, whatever you want to call them, more than we've ever seen. And I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've been told that it's 100% bullshit. And sometimes when it's told to you that flatly, you believe it. Um, and I do believe this. I don't think that those are accurate reports. I do not think Boone Jenner is available. Everybody's available for the right price. But my point is, if you move Boone Jenner, if you trade your captain, and Jenner is not this elite, untouchable Connor McDavid player. I'm not, I'm not misreading it that way. But he is the captain of your team. He is sort of the transmission of this engine. And to to make that move is to is to start rebuilding the dressing room again. And I don't get the sense that they're doing that. Um, I think there's some people, honestly, around the league who think they should. Uh, not just because they would like Boone Jenner, but because they look at the team and think that that's what is best. Um, but I don't think Yarmo Kekalainen or John Davidson have come off of their plans that uh, this year, of course, has been a complete sidetrack because in their mind, again, the injuries. Um, I think if you're looking at this team fairly, you recognize how awful they were at the start of the season before the injuries. And that's got to worry you a little bit. Now, teams get off to bad starts. you got time to turn it around. But when you don't have the players in the lineup that they're missing all year, it's really hard to you're – not, you're not coming back from that. Um, so we'll see. Do, do they get the ultimate reward for having this awful season? That is the hope. But I don't think it's changed their mind as far as what needs to be done here to be competitive. And I don't think some people are going to laugh at this. I don't think they think they're far away. I still don't. Uh, I, and I'm not, don't want to take up too much time on the, on the stage up here to get to other questions, but do, sure. don't, how do you envision? I mean, it, can this team possibly roll out the same lineup, healthy lineup next season? Can they roll that out over the boards and, and, and expect it to be better? I, it, I just, uh, Maybe speaking for the for the fan base, have a really hard time seeing that and wrapping my head around rationalizing that. 
Yeah, well, no, and they won't. They can't, and they won't. I mean, there will be changes. Much of this is just going to be Wierenski come back healthy. Um, I mean, look how Bookfist is playing now that he's healthy. That's been pretty positive, really. Um, but I think you're going to see major changes down the middle. I mean, Bronkov is going to probably play top three center. One of those spots, probably third center. Maybe he starts at fourth and Crawley moves up just to get him uh, acclimated. Unless they continue to play like this the rest of the way, they're probably going to have a top three or four pick. And I would—I I don't think they'd take Michkov. I, I would suggest that the player they pick in this year's draft is probably going to go into the lineup, especially if it's top two. Uh, Bedard and Fantilli are NHL ready for next year. That's the hope. So imagine just how differently things look if you're putting Fantilli and Voronkov among your centermen. You've changed two of the four. Maybe that allows Jenner to move to the wing. That, you know, Nyquist is gone, most likely. Uh, so that's a pretty substantive change. And I think you're going to see them, especially with Gabrikov leaving, I think you're going to see them active on the defenseman, veteran defenseman market. Um, a, a guy or two who can build a bridge to their young prospects on D. Juracek's going to be here next year. That's going to be different. Tarasov is going to be at least the backup goalie next year. That would be different. So there will be changes. There, there will be substantive changes that, that that can even be safely predicted right now. And we should probably expect there to be even more that we're not anticipating. If they add Voronkov and draft one of those two centers, I mean, Jack Roslovic is almost expendable now. He's basically played a fourth-line role for a month now. Um, if you look at the Corrali line as being the third line, that's certainly what it is usage-wise. Um, it's been Foodie, Roslovic, and, and Bemstrom on that fourth line. It's just kind of a, not to be mean here, but it, those are that's the line of guys we don't know what to do with, really. Let's put them on a line. And if you've noticed in these games where it gets hairy, um, they just that line just doesn't play. Like Larson just brings it down to three lines. So they're going to look a lot different next year at minimum. I think there's a chance they could look really different next year if if Yarmo has the kind of summer that he wants to have. But I, I do think it's I do think the nucleus, the Kent Johnsons, the Jenner, Corrali, um, those guys are going to be still part of it. But I, I still think within that there's room for for a pretty significant change. Great. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. You bet, Kyle. Let's go to Graham and James, if you can, if you can uh, type your message in, in, in a comment form, Graham, are you there? Hello. Graham. Yeah. Party can you hear me? Yeah. I got you, man. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. A big fan of your work. Uh, I just had a Thank quick you. question and it might be uh, a little too, little too, little too late kind of question, but if the jackets are going to be, in the market for a veteran defenseman. I mean, it sounds like, I don't know, I've been trying to track what you've been writing about, you know, Boston pending trade with Gavrikov, but is there any circumstance where they try to keep Gavrikov at this point? Like I said, it might be <laughs> a bad question this this late in the process, but it's like, um, why, why the, let go of a really good top four defensive defenseman? 
I mean, I, I know why the paying thing, but I'll kind of let you speak to that. Yeah. Well, so a couple of things that to me, well, what we've been told is that the deal was agreed to. I don't know why it hasn't gone through. I don't know what the holdup is. Um, but I was told yesterday that the expectation is that it's still going to go through. Okay. Um, I'm more, I'm kind of really interested now to see what this holdup is all about on the other side of this, but yeah. I suppose we should allow for the possibility that this trade doesn't go through. I still think he is a tradable asset at this deadline. And I think the fact that the, the blue jackets are uncomfortable, I've heard with the term more than with the dollar requirement. Yeah. Um, unless that changes, then, then I'm not sure how it can work out. And there's well, really no point in keeping him. If you can't if get anything. Yeah, if he's not going to play here next year, that's a wasted so, asset. Yeah, so what if you don't mind in one more second, what kind sure. of caliber defenseman, like who would be an example player that you might think of or the the level of player that we would be eyeing? Yeah. So I mean you would it would be a name it would be a top four defenseman. I'm not I don't have a list of, of guys in front of me and it's kind of Yeah, no worries. Well it's kinda of, it's kinda of sketchy right now anyways, because who knows who's A gonna be traded, who could re up. I mean there are guys with, with um expiring contracts right now that you can look at it and say maybe he hits the market. If he does, the blue jackets would be interested. But there's no guarantee that he will. So it, it depends on what the market looks like and who's there. But okay. I think there'll be a top four. Yeah, a guy that can play in their top four. Um okay. I mean good Branson's the guy they signed last year thinking bottom pair. Mm-hmm. And he's played a lot more than that. And I think he's been better than most people would have expected. But I I don't think you I don't think you want to go into a season banking on him to be a top four guy. It's just not what it is where he's at. Um so I think they feel especially if Gav especially if Gavrikov leaves, they know they need a bridge. And Bofus could be ready to blossom. Could be. Um, Bean could be better after a year off, although he's kind of lost a year of development. Blankenberg looks like an interesting player, but if you want to be competitive next year, I think there's an understanding that they need a bridge to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. And they've got to sort they've got to sort the back end out uh, for all the next wave that's coming. You're a check, maybe he's not you gotta be prepared for him to not be ready to play on the top pair. With Wierenski, that's certainly possible. Um, but and if you're a competitive team, you got to be ready for that. Yeah, but probably from a downgrade from Gabrikov, you know, kind of no matter how you shake it, right? Uh, I think that's a reasonable expectation, too. Gabrikov's a pretty good player. Yeah, okay. All right, thanks, Forty. All right, thank you. All right, let's go. Let's see here. Uh, Joe S. says, chat question. With Corpus Salo most likely getting traded, what is the status on Tarasov, and do you see a possibility of Jet Greaves getting a few starts before the end of the year? So, that is an interesting story uh, looking at March 4th and beyond. My sense as of yesterday is that there's not, at right now, a huge market for Corpus Salo, or at least a lot of interest in him, which is a little surprising. But it can be Tricky moving a goaltender this time of year. I suspect that's going to change between now and March 3rd. Um, And if that does change, the Blue Jackets have to make a decision. Is it time for Tarasov to come up and just get used to the role he's going to have for next year? Or does Tarasov need to play, play, play 
the rest of the way in the American Hockey League. He's out with a groin injury. My understanding is that he's back soon. Um, but I don't think it's out of the question that Jet Greaves comes up to back up Elvis to finish out the season if they want Tarasov to get regular work in the minors. Um, something certainly to watch. It's going to be it's going to be kind of weird to see Corpusello finally get traded if he does because he's been on the market forever. It seems like four years in a row he's been on the market. Maybe this is the year that it finally happens. And well, I mean, what a what a fantastic guy, and what a great story it is that he's had the season he's had. Um, he's been really, really good. He's playing tonight against the Wild as well. Uh, so thanks for the question there, Joe S. And now we go to Joe P. Joe P. says, do you have any sense of Brad Larson's job status? Obviously, this season hasn't gone as we'd hoped, but does the plethora of injuries help save Larson's job? I think two things help save Larson's job. And uh, I think the first thing is the fact that this team is playing its ass off right now. They are playing their their collective back ends off right now. There's no getting around that. Um, it's Frankly, it's a really good look for a team that's completely out of it. They've been a tough out now for the better part of three weeks or a month. Um, but as I've said from the start, the injuries have given him cover for sure. They've given Yarmo cover. And he's, it's not an excuse. I mean, it, it, it's not an empty excuse at all. Players matter. This is the, these are the pros. Um, but it is, it is a, uh, it is a, you know sort of the blanket that you can throw on everything this year. This is why we're bad. Um, and again, I, I didn't like at all the way they came out of the gate at all. It was a terrible team. They're actually better now than they were when they were mostly healthy at the beginning of the season before Danforth and Wierenski and, and it all started with Bean, Lion A, all of the early injuries. Um, so, but having said all this, I, I think those are two feathers in Larson's cap, but having said all this, I do think at the end of the season there's going to be an evaluation, especially on the other side of the lottery when you look at how your team's going to evolve. A coach has to fit its the players and I'm not saying he does or he doesn't, but the team has to look at the situation and, and determine if he's still uh, what's best for this group. Does a talent like Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli, does that require a certain kind of coach? What, what makes sense? Do they need a, a different kind of coach? And I, I think they're absolutely going to look at that at the end of the season. It, his uh, Larson's job is nothing that's being considered right now. Again, if you watch this team play with no hope of going anywhere, they're playing their butts off. That's a really good look for a coach. Um, so I think that will be taken into account uh, as well. Uh, thanks for the question, Joe. Let's step back on the stage if we can. Uh, we've got Jonathan R. with us. Jonathan R., thanks for joining us on Front Nationwide. Thanks for having me, Porty. You bet, man. Thank so, you. Um, yeah. So um, the first thing I wanted to ask about was I just saw the article uh, posted by Dom uh, today. I don't know if you'd seen that yet about the five, basically five players for teams to avoid at the trade deadline. And of course, well, the top pick, of course, is Gavrikov, um, who who he basically is saying, like, you know, is, is far more problematic than people think kind of thing. And just from, from his take with, you know, the stats that he likes to look at and everything. And so yeah. it's just kind of interesting to me. And I just want to kind of hear your take of where you feel like the discrepancy between, you know, like eye tests, things like that, where you watch yeah. Gavrikov for all this time and, and 
see him, what he can do versus like what somebody like Dom, who I'm guessing has watched maybe one Blue Jackets game all season and just looks at the numbers, like how you guys might would come to two very different conclusions about what kind of player he is. Yeah, so I'll say this, and and I I need to read Dom's piece closer. I thought this morning I will read it for sure. I think it's tough. I think I think I, I, this is not. I'd <laughs> be careful here because sometimes the least little thing sounds like you're crapping on the analytics community, and I'm not doing that. I love it. I love numbers. I love any insight we can get. But I do think numbers have to be. Uh, considered by what you also see and know. So what I mean by that is, who's Gavrikov played with this year? Okay. And who you play with on your defensive there is going to affect how you look, what your job is, uh, your responsibilities, how much of the ice is on you, um, how aggressive you can be offensively. I think when he played with Savard and when he played with Jack Johnson before that, Gabrikov could roam the ice a little bit more. Now I think he feels there's a defensive posture that must be made. I think the biggest thing is Gabrikov is not a top pair defenseman. I don't know anyone who thinks he is. He's probably a second pair defenseman. But these teams that are looking at him for the playoffs are probably looking at him maybe second pair, probably third pair. And he is a a fantastic NHL defenseman on the third pair, and a really good one, I think, as a second-pair guy. Um, So it's the matchups. With Borensky out, he is seeing totally different matchups than he was last year, or earlier in the season. So Borensky in that top group would get uh, most of the offensive zone starts. They would end up with many starts against the team's best players. And Gabrikov would settle into that defensive shutdown mode. And that's not the role this year. It hasn't been since like week three of the season when, when Warinsky went down. Now he's, he's playing more. He's playing against different opponents. He's playing with lesser players because that right side of the, of the defense has been injured as well. So like all of these things come, have to come into play. And I'm not sure that all of this stuff can be measured. Um, I get that his numbers aren't pretty, but he's playing on a team. There aren't very many pretty numbers with the Blue Jackets this season. And I don't think he's significantly less of a player than he was a couple of years ago on a pretty good Blue Jackets team where he looked like a really good player. Still the same guy. Um, And I think NHL general managers are wise enough to recognize that. I think it's interesting that Boston is so interested. Boston's played against him in the playoffs. Boston knows this player. They played a lot of games against Columbus the last couple of years. Uh, Gavrikov made his, his playoffs debut against Boston. So um, I think he's regarded as a very good 3-4 defenseman. Again, Boston's would, Boston would use him on a third pair, which is a what a luxury that is. Um, I still think that's the, uh, that's the way to look at him rather than, boy, he's not a very good number one defenseman with Andrew Peak on his right. Because that's that's a tough spot for everybody, and it's tough for Peak too. Is such a young guy playing such significant minutes, so many nights against best opponents. It just wasn't how it was designed to go this year. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I, I appreciate everything about that. And then the other player I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, because to me this kind of flips. Is statistically one of the best Blue Jackets producers this season. I think he's number four in points on the team. 
is Jack Roslovic. Uh, He's got only four goals, but 30 assists. Uh, So he's actually still generated a decent amount of offense and everything like that. Um, So why do you think it is that with a player like him, you know, especially it seems like he's always been in Brad Larson's doghouse. I mean, just because of just like, you know, I know he's always good for one brutal turnover. Why do you feel like his leash is so short when a guy like Cole Sillinger, who is basically almost produced nothing all season from an offensive standpoint is getting bigger and bigger roles without any increase in production. Yeah. Well, if we're just talking about those two, I'm not sure that Sillinger's leash is that much longer. I think Sillinger's a more responsible two-way player. I don't think he has the defensive gaffes. I mean, everybody does. That's hockey, but I don't think he has the defensive gaffes that Ross Livick does. Um, I think, I think you also can accept some things from a 19-year-old player that you can't expect or can't accept from a 26-year-old player. Um, the other thing with Roslovic is, is he is playing three more minutes a night than Sillinger. So Sillinger's leash, I'm not sure how long it is. He's playing 13, 15 a night. Like that's way back from way back from last year. Um, Roslovic, sure, I think I think that a lot of that is from. I, I, to me, in recent games, in the second half of the year, where we've kind of seen things, it seems like that has flipped uh, a lot versus when Cole's getting sat down earlier yeah. more in the beginning of the year. Yeah, that could be. And, and I, I think, I think that the, I think Roslovic, or sorry, Sillinger has played better, though not well, the last few weeks. I think you notice him in more areas than you did. There's like a two or three month period he played on the team. And I don't feel the way about his game now, but offensively, he's he's kind of a mess. Rosovic is just so frustrating to them because he's got so much offensive talent, so much ability, and the, his skating, his acceleration with the puck is incredible. It really is. It's not McDavid. I'm not saying that, but it, it's a he's he can be a difference making player with his feet, but it just comes and goes from one shift to the night and. I think they're from one shift to the next and one game to the next. And I, they just get frustrated um, by his inconsistencies. And that's why he ends up on the fourth line. The other thing is this is a development year and has become a development year since the earliest stages. So it Sillinger's got to play. If it's working your way out of this, he's got to work his way out of it. And I'm not sure what the future is with, with uh, Roslovic. He's been playing mostly a fourth line role. Stills on the power play. He lost his, his first power play spot to Marchenko. Um, but he still gets an opportunity on the power play second unit. But I'm not sure I'm not sure what they're thinking. Well, it surprises me that they've not tried him on the wing yet. Um, just lesser responsibility, which is what Winnipeg tried over and over again and didn't get traction there either. Sure. Thanks a lot, Porty. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, man. Thanks for the questions. I, I appreciate it. Um, let's, uh, let's get back to the, well, we got another one in the queue here. Joe S is with us. Joe S you are on front and nationwide. Go ahead, please. Hey, Joe. All right. If Joe chimes in here, we'll get to him. If not, let's see. Christopher A says, you know, you have to get Allison on the podcast next week when the Kraken are in town. Right, right. Oh boy, uh, yeah. And you know what? The Kraken are here on trade deadline day, March three. 
Um, so yeah, let me see if we can. Not sure what her uh, appearance fee is now. Could be substantial. She's quite the star in Seattle these days. Brian D says uh, Jacob Chikrin is still getting brought up as a possibility for the Jackets. Any truth to this? Okay. Um, this has been quite the dance here for a while. Is Joe? Are you there? By the way, Joe S. Yeah, I am. Forty. Can you hear me? Hey, Joe. Sorry, I brought you in. I couldn't hear you at first. Now you're there. We'll get back to to Brian D's question in a second. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, thanks for taking my questions. Um, my you. question would be around uh, sending some of the young guys down to Cleveland. I'm just kind of curious why that hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, I, I would think from a management perspective, um, you know, if you want them to play the meaningful games and with Cleveland kind of making that push for the playoffs, I would kind of expect that that would have been done by now. Um, yeah. Any insight on that? Yeah. Um, so I think the, the I'm not sure – who all you're talking about, if it's all the young guys, all the guys that can go to the AHL? Mostly Sillinger. Um, you know, with the yeah. way Marchenko and Johnson are yep. playing, I kind of wouldn't expect them. Um, right. But mostly Sillinger. Yeah, and, and I completely concur. Um, uh, we had a thing in the Sunday notes last week where, uh, you know, I, I don't pretend to be a hockey development expert, so I'm not going to say what's best for the kid. But the reason the kid isn't sent to Cleveland, to me, can't be, we don't have anybody to call up. That is, that's the totally wrong approach. To me, the question is, does he need to go to Cleveland? Would that be what's best for him and his development? And if the answer is yes, then he's driving up 71 immediately. And you worry about whatever's next, next. Uh, Lane Peterson is here. Uh, Kent Johnson can play center. Uh, Liam Foody has played center. Like, not to be too blunt, but who cares about the fourth line if it means that Cole, Cole Sillinger gets developed the right way? They must not feel that his play right now justifies that. And if if that's where they're at, if they feel like he's working his way out of whatever it is he's he's gone through this year, then rock on. They're they're the experts. Um, but it, the reason can't be we don't have a guy from Cleveland who can come up and fill in. Um, I understand not wanting to take a guy out of Cleveland because you want them to make the playoffs. The worst thing they can do this year is miss the playoffs at both levels. So that cannot happen. And I don't think it will. Um, but I won't be the least bit surprised if Sillinger goes to Cleveland after the trade deadline. I won't be surprised if late in the season, all of those guys go there to keep playing. I think it makes a ton of sense. It's a great experience. And honestly, this is part of it, too. Cleveland is an incredible organization. It's a major city. It's a great arena. It is a professional operation. Honestly, the, the game ops there are as impressive and as professional. The, the atmosphere there feels like an NHL rank. It doesn't draw like an NHL team, but they draw very well for an AHL team. It's a great setup. It's not a place where you would be you know, upset to go. It's got a lot of the trappings that a young guy would like. It'd be a fun place to play. So make it happen. Um, so, the, you know, the number one reason I've been told, you know, and I, I don't think they've, they've ever decided to send Cole down and then stopped because they didn't have anybody. But that's one of the excuses or one of the things that's been cited as a challenge to sending him down. And I think it's kind of ridiculous. 
Um, you got to do what's best by these kids first and foremost um, and worry about the rest later. But I, I, I would not be shocked if we see it come to that uh, before the season's over. <clears throat> okay, great. And then uh, kind of a follow-up to that. I mean, do you think another reason they may have not done it, um, just kind of thinking from Cylinder's perspective, is maybe – you know, going from that NHL paycheck to that AHL sure. paycheck might leave maybe a sour taste in his mouth. Do you think that has any impact on it? Um, you know, I think it's something you have to consider. I, I think if Cole, listen, Cole's a pretty smart kid, he comes from an NHL family. If, if I think the important thing is for everybody to be on the same page here, and maybe he's not, he basically said to me, and we didn't, you know, he's not going to tell me everything he tells management, nor should he. But he sees himself as an NHL player. So he shouldn't be happy going down. But as long as he's on the same page and feels like it's what's best for his development or feels that they feel what's best for his development, it's a short-term backpedal for what could be. I mean, if he, if he has an explosive NHL season next year, he's going to make a hell of a lot more money than he, than he will if he has another season like this. And after next season, his, his entry-level deals up will be RFA, so he can sign a new contract. Um, so, you know, the longer they wait, the less of a hit it is for his paycheck. That's that's cool. Um, but I don't think a player of, of that, of, that who's struggling like he is, it's 35 games, 36 games since he scored, he may, it may be the best thing to just go there, relax. And I, you know what? I'll say this. I bet he scores in his first game. That's kind of how it works. Um, just relax and play. A little extra space on the ice. Everything's a little slower. It could be the best thing for him. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking my questions, Bordy. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Um, okay. We're going to go to Brian D. Then we'll go back to the stage. We've got Paul waiting to ask a question. But let's go. Um, Brian D. said, uh, Jacob Chikrin. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Still getting brought up as a possibility for the Blue Jackets. Any truth to this? Well, I think it's something that should be considered. So this has been a long and winding road. Last year at the draft, there were rumors that that the Blue Jackets had a trade in place with the Coyotes for Chikrin. Now, then it didn't make that much sense. Chikrin's a left-side guy. The Blue Jackets had Wierenski and Gavrikov. Well, something's changed. They've got Wierenski healthy next year, one hopes. They don't have Gavrikov. So now they have a need on the left side of their top four. So that sense, it makes sense that they would be interested now. When we were told at the draft last year 
that Chikrin's initial response to a trade of the Blue Jackets was, I don't want to go there. I want to go to a playoff team. And we, we wrote about this last summer, Blue Jackets Sunday gathering. Um, and then Johnny Gaudreau signs with the Blue Jackets, and uh, Jacob Chikrin says, you know, I hear Columbus is actually kind of nice in the fall. That changed his perception. And at that point, I don't think the Blue Jackets were that interested. Um, so th- these two parties have danced before. And I, I don't think it's out of the question. The Blue Jackets do have a need. The, let's be honest, though. The asking price, the Blue Jackets are not going to give up two firsts, especially where they're picking, where they may pick, up for the player. Now, is it easier to trade a first that you just acquired for Gavrikov than it is to trade your own first right now? Certainly whatever pick they trade is going to be lottery protected. Um, yeah, it, it it's not a... It's a perfect fit player-wise. He's he's a he's a power play guy. I mean, he would give them with uh, Wierenski a pretty good one-two punch on the power play point. You might even suggest spreading out and doing a, the old setup: three forwards, two D. Get both of those guys out there and have it Boakfist and Blankenberg maybe on the second unit. Anyways, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, I think. The player makes a ton of sense. I'm not sure the deal does. Um, but yeah, and and if Chikrin didn't want to come to Columbus before Gaudreau, he may be back in that same boat again. He has no no trade protection, so he really can't limit where he goes. Um, the Coyotes are just being very nice and allowing him to sort of shape where he wants to go. Um, but this, I also think there's some red flags with the player. Uh, being frank with the injuries for sure he's had a lot of injuries but this idea of he's been on the trade market for more than a year now um and i i I don't know i'm a little uncomfortable with with some of that stuff as well Uh, let's go back to the stage if we could paul b is waiting patiently paul you are on front and nationwide go ahead please Morty, how are you good man how are you i'm good Hey, I want just a kind of a fun question, little history yeah. lesson. But I've only known the Jackets in the Metro Division, but they weren't always in the Metro Division, right? Did they start off in another one? They started in the Western Conference in the Central Division. How do we get back to the Western Conference? Because we're competitive there. <laughs> well, they keep uh, – when they were in the West, the West was a behemoth. And then they moved to the East, and the East has become the behemoth. Um. So maybe they should stay. Do they stay put or go back to the West? They they don't like to travel in the West, and I don't blame them. Um, but yeah, um, Larry Brooks pointed out last week that the top six teams, I'm not sure if this is still the case, the top six teams in the NHL overall standings are all in the Eastern Conference. Yes. And the Blue Jackets <laughs> are 500. He didn't point this out. I did. They're 500 against the West, um, which is awesome. And then they're playing a Western team tonight, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, the West is just is not that great. They kind of they swept the season series with Winnipeg. But they are stuck in the Metro. They are stuck in the East and, by all accounts, are happy to be. Well, hopefully Father Time will catch up and, you know, we can <coughs> wait, wait it out and – but the good news is go over there. <laughs> the good news is I got three trips to Monterey as we were, 
as we were at my previous employer, uh, made a pitch to go to the Board of Governors meeting because this was going to be voted on. So I went to Monterey. They never voted on it. The next year I said, I got to go to the Board of Governors meeting. I think they're going to vote on this. And they did talk about it. They debated it. There was some sort of movement. And they didn't, it didn't become official that year either. I think it was 12, it was 11, 12 that it finally became official. And then the next year I made the pitch to go to Monterey. And I was like, no effing way are you going to Monterey a third time. And <laughs> I had to promise them that there, there, no, no, I promise you there is going to be a vote. And it, they did. And, and the Blue Jackets moved. Um, how did it work? They moved with Detroit to the east. Yeah, because Vegas came in, and things shifted around. But they they used to be in the in the central, um, and it was central in the Western Conference, and they moved to the east now. That's Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, and then you kind of talked about it or earlier in the uh, in just when you started. You know, that there's a kind of a division of crowds. People want to see wins, but obviously. There's a crowd that's like, no, lose every game. Yeah. And I, I think both team, both sides are going to get satisfied. What do we have, like eight home games left, and there's 30 or so games remaining? 25, yeah. 25. Yeah. So two-thirds of the games are going to be on the road. I think, you know, March is right around the corner, and I think things will level out for the Jackets, and they'll settle yeah. in right where they are. But let's get some happy memories for, before that happens. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's uh, three games in March. Ouch. That's going to uh, be a rough one. Yeah. Three home games in March. Keep well, your Paul, bags packed. Yeah. I was just saying, keep your bags packed. 40. Oh, yeah, right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. See ya. All right, let's go to Ryan M. We'll do some rapid fire. we got about 15 minutes left. Ryan M. says, how aggressive should we expect the Blue Jacks to be in free agency and trades this offseason? You know, and I kind of think aggressive, and we'll get a better sense of this on the other side of the trade deadline. Um, but again, I do think they will pursue a defenseman. I do think they're going to try to reshape the middle of their ice. Um, again, Voronkov helps with that. I think the draft, they hope, will will help with that. Um, but there could be some pieces to move there. I, I think aggressive is is a good word. Um, and some summers you think would be pretty quiet. I don't think this is going to be one. Johnny H says, do you get the sense the inability to get a deal done with Gabby was more about money, term, or both? Uh, do you see him moving on as a rental for someone, or will a deal be in place? Um, the first part, I, my sense is it's more about term and less about money. So I'm not sure if that means somebody wanted seven years and somebody else only wanted five or six. I don't know the specifics, but was told that it's more about term than it is money. Um, and yes, I think he moves on as a rental. I think he wants to go to free agency. I think his agent, Dan Milstein, has made that clear that he's not going to be signing a um, a deal with, with uh, anybody right now. He wants to go to the market, which, I mean, you've come this far. I've, I've That always strikes me as odd for a team, for, for a player to do that, unless that's the one team that they really, really want to go to. Um, so suspect he's on the market next summer. Uh, Kenny B says, "Will Kuhlman's season coming with Kuhlman's season coming to an end? Do you expect to see him sign and go to Cleveland?" Um, not entirely sure, but that kind of is the expectation. I don't think anyone thinks he's uh, going to be back with uh, Wisconsin next year. It hasn't been a great 
couple of seasons, that program is really is really down. It's surprisingly down. Um, I think he needs to turn pro. I hate to. If we're just talking hockey here, I don't want to talk about his future and going to school and all that sort of stuff. If he wants to to stay in school, get an education, rock on, do that. My sense is this is this Wisconsin was more of a springboard to hockey for him. Um, and he, the sense that I get from talking to people is he needs to go pro and he needs to to be in a structured system. He's a very creative, very gifted player. Um, I think there's a lot of curiosity as how he'll handle a, uh, a, a a professional system. But let's get going here. Let's see what it looks like. And I think he's one of those guys that you suspect first round draft pick. You suspect he could be a couple years away um, from the NHL, but he's got a lot to prove in the pros. Um, stuff. It, it, it's been kind of a rough rough time at Wisconsin. The, the team has not been very good at all. Um, so these are all things to look at, look for down the stretch. Um, it, it, it kind of keeps it interesting as the season moves along, even a lost season like this. Uh, Ron Jay says, any idea the real reason behind no outdoor game for CBJ? OSU politics, cold relationship between Ohio State and the Blue Jackets. Is it really amenities at the shoe? There seems to be no issue having football there in cold weather with 100,000 fans. CBJ just not an attractive option. Well, I think what you're if you saw Gene Smith's comments in the Sunday gathering last week, yeah, it's starting to become clear that that they still want to winterize Ohio Stadium. That means they the pipes need to be wrapped. They need to do all sorts of things to make it a safe place uh, in the wintertime if there's inclement weather. And let me just say this. There was a game several years ago in Michigan, and the people who were at that game were alarmed and scared by how icy and dangerous that stadium was. So this isn't this isn't just um, wild excuse making for not having it. They, I think they learned a lot from that game and learned what is safe and what is not safe from a liability situation. So. Ohio State says it costs $8 million to winterize the place. You can just feel that this is a, a standoff based on who's going to pay the $8 million. And I think the thought was Ohio State would, now that the college football playoffs have expanded, and there's a chance that Ohio State may end up hosting a game in Ohio Stadium, there's certain ways that would have to work for that to happen. Gene Smith said, yeah, we'll go to Indianapolis and play it. And people went, what the hell? Like, why would you give up a home game to go to Indianapolis? Well, maybe this is part of this jockeying. Um, now, Gene Smith says, and we'll have this in next Sunday's gathering, um, that he, you look at the weather, and typically that, that college football game, if they host it, is in mid to late December. It's not really that bad in Columbus in mid to late December. We could do a game then. No big deal. It's in January and February where the weather gets really bad, although it's 71 degrees outside right now, that you can't have an outside game in Columbus, too risky, too weathery. Um, that's why you got to winterize the place. Um, and the Blue Jackets haven't said this either, but their perspective may well be, well, wait a minute, 8 million bucks. We're doing this for one game. We're going to pay you 8 million bucks for one game. And the NHL has not said this, but their perspective may well be, 
wait a minute, we don't pay people to do this. People pay us to do this because this is a great thing for everybody. What the hell's wrong with you, Columbus? So there's a standoff over who's going to pay for it. Um, is there anything Ohio State can use the stadium for besides an outdoor hockey game? Can they have concerts there? Eh, I don't know if I want to stand outside for a concert in, in the wintertime. What can you do there if you winterize it other than host this one hockey game? So these are the things. Some of these stadiums, Raleigh doesn't have to do this because the weather's never that bad in Raleigh. They just had an outdoor game. Um, we used to think the issue was being cold enough to have a game. Now it seems the issue is being too cold. And again, what a bizarre, bizarre conversation to be having when it's 71 degrees and sunny outside. Uh, February in Columbus, um, but that's that's where it is. There's a standoff over the eight million. Hey, if some guy, somebody listening to Front Nationwide's got a, a loose eight million laying around, send Gene a check. Um, earmark it for winterization of Ohio Stadium, and let's get this thing going before uh, we're all too old to appreciate it. I'm I'm wondering, honest, honestly, it's going to be great when there is an outdoor game here, and I still think there will be. But these, these are so commonplace now, not to us, but across the league, that even now some of the specialness of it's probably lost. Um, I do think Ohio Stadium is one of the last amazing places in this country that they've not staged one in yet. It may be the last. Um, and that's kind of sad that, that a city like Columbus can't get that done. Um, and the OSU's Ice ring solution is not ideal either, but I, I'll I'll move on here. Uh, Ed N says, "Do the CBJ have a sports psychologist on staff?" Uh, some nights I think Elvis could use some help in that area. Maybe a new goalie coach. Blah blah blah. Yeah, all of that is. Yeah, they do have a, a, a psychologist, not around the building all the time, but one on call. Um, this person is available for the for the for the players whenever they uh, wish to talk to some someone. Um, James M. says, I'll try to get my question here in the chat. Have to love tech issues. Oh, yeah, I think we've tried to talk to James a few times. With the Bruins being rumored partner in trade, any word where a return for Gavrikov could include Laurie over a first? Laurie seems to be a close to the NHL prospect top four talent. Um, so, yeah, Laurie, of course, played at Ohio State. Um, I think Laurie's, instead of a first, I'm not sure if the Blue Jackets would be game for that. Um, I'm not sure if Boston would be game for a first and Laurie because they're pretty excited about him. Um, but that's a name you, you kick around in any deal with Boston for sure. Um, does the extended benching of Gavrikov reflect poorly on the jackets for future players? Uh, says George M. George, I don't think so. I, I think most people understand the situation. It is bizarre. It's also going on in Arizona. That's not an organization you, you want to be coupled with typically. Um, but this is trade protection to the extreme. Usually this happens a day before, a couple days before the deadline. I don't think uh, this is what the Blue Jackets intended at all. I think they thought a trade was going to go, go through uh, a day or so later. Again, not entirely sure what the holdup is, but it is on the other end. Um, and that's something that could be voiced to whatever player is considering and has questions about how this is being handled. Uh, Patrick D says, I know most NHL contracts are insured. 
except for Horton, he says. When a player goes on LTIR, does insurance pay their contract 50% uh, or 100%? My understanding is at a, at once you miss a certain number of games, a percentage of that based upon whatever deal you have is paid. It may be 40% in some cases, 50%. Um, it's just, Teams have protection on most of these big contracts. My understanding with the Horton was, the Horton injury was, they they were very specific in the insurance they had, and his shoulder was what was injured, and the back injury was not somehow covered because they did not anticipate him suffering a back injury while he was out with a shoulder injury. God, this seems like a long time ago. Uh, Patrick D says, with the team heating up at the wrong time, like always, does management actually make moves to actually tank? Um, well, I mean, they haven't yet. They're going to do some trade deadline um, moves that are going to lessen this team, you would imagine. So, But I, I don't see them being so overt in it. They're not going to, they're not going to, give Larson nothing to work with. Although the Gavrikov thing has been perceived that way by a lot of people. I don't really think it's related to that. Um, let's see. Kevin P says, what would motivate the Blue Jackets to move peak? What would be fair compensation to make them do this, knowing they need solid DMN to bridge to the future? I think the question with peak is not them wanting to trade peak necessarily. Uh, his name has come up, as I've said. I think it's more about the glut of right side defensemen the need for them across the league and the value attached to that. Um, I think they're comfortable with some, I think they're comfortable with some of the guys that have come up and played similar to the level that uh, they're comfortable with peak. And so if you've got an abundance of that, they got to clear some spots out here. Uh, again, your checks coming next year. One imagines. So Boakvist, Bean, um, Blankenberg, They've got a ton of these right side guys peak that that need uh, space. So I I think that is what figures into that as well. Um, you mentioned a trade is in place for Gavrikov. National writers seem perplexed by what is going on. Why isn't this more public knowledge? Um, well, I, I don't know. I think it is public knowledge that that they're either very close to a trade or done with the deal. I just obviously not a lot of people talking right now. Uh, about this, you know, until it's done, and then maybe we'll get some more information. Ken B says, any chance we get a deep AHL run this year? Start setting some new guys up and young studs down. Yeah, I can. I think that's the plan, and I, I don't, I think this is a pretty good team if, if um, all the guys who are supposed to be there are there. So, um, yeah, look for it. Um, it could be good. Uh, it's, Mike Z says, at some point, players are what they are. Sounds silly, but Roslovic will always leave you wanting. Sillinger appears to have a serious lack of confidence. In both cases, that's tough to coach. Same with Elvis, although Elvis has played a little better of late. Elvis still is technically off, and that can be coached if the goalie wants to listen. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with all of that. I do think, we kind of mentioned this earlier, you know, there, Sillinger's, it's just, He's going to be graded a little bit differently than Roslovic. One is a 19-year-old who's in his second year in the league. The other is a, a player that ought to should be a consistent performer by now. Um, so it's it's different. I think Elvis has been 
dramatically better in his last four or five starts. There's been a couple of those where he's down 2 nothing, not bad goals necessarily. But early this season, we just saw the wheels come off and make bad worse. And he has not done that. He's kind of steadied himself, which is, uh, that's maybe that's the first step back to this. I, I do think he doesn't look 100% um, his, his best self. I think that's fair. But I think he's dramatically better than he was even a month ago. Uh, the break may have done him well. He's tried to reset several times this year. Maybe this one took. Uh, Ernest J. Ernest J is going to get me into trouble here. Nothing infuriates me more than missing CBJ games. Huh. When I paid for the NHL app, I could watch every game no problem. But now with the switch to ESPN, there are games exclusively on Hulu or the NHL network. What would motivate the NHL to alienate their fans by taking such a measure? I'm not paying for another service. Well, Ernest, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think I think the NHL likes the deal they've got with ESPN. I get mad at the streaming services too. Ask my wife. It's one of my best rants. We were so proud of ourselves for cutting the cord <coughs> and getting rid of cable many years ago. And all we've done is replace that one cord with like 11 freaking cords. All we've done is replace the one bill that was too expensive with seven bills that are too expensive. And, and still, there's shit we can't watch because we need the eighth streaming service or the ninth streaming service. Um, it's aggravating. I'm with you. I get it. Uh, and I hate to say it. I'm probably it's a good thing we're at the end of the, of the podcast. But you may just have to freaking subscribe to Hulu. Um, there, I said it, Ernest. That's what it is, buddy. And I would ask yourself this. How much is, how much is Hulu a month? And how much are you driving yourself crazy and those around you by being angry about this? And nothing infuriates you more than missing CBJ games than just freaking throw your money down for Hulu and watch your CBJ games. Live a happy life. Ernest, you're a good man. Uh, Front Nationwide, thanks for listening. We'll get back to you next week. Um, Hopefully we'll have some stuff between now and then. I do appreciate you guys. Uh, and uh, look forward to talking to you then. All the best.